Welcome to Journal Talk, a weekly podcast about journal writing for passion, clarity, and purpose. Passion. Reignite that passion for the things and people you care about most. Clarity. Discover who you are and what you really want. Purpose. Get to the heart of life's issues to remember your divine purpose. And now, here's your host of Journal Talk, Nathan Oren. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 52 of Journal Talk. This is the weekly podcast about living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. And I'm really excited about this episode. Today, I have a special guest. I feel like I'm always saying this is a special guest. It's a special guest. Today is another special guest, special guest. And yes, it's true. They are all special for sure. This one, this is another one of those episodes that feels like it's my favorite episode. And the reason is because the subject matter and the guest expert today are really are all about a topic that's very near to me. When I first started sharing about journal writing, and I had to get really super clear with myself, what is it that I'm sharing with people about this? Why is this so important to me? What do I really care about in sharing all of this? And I I'm a big believer in the idea that, you know, if you have a lot to share, and, and especially if you're making a big presentation, if you've got a lot of information, you ever seen one of those people who gets up with a PowerPoint presentation and they've got slides and slides and slides of solid packed in information and it's kind of overwhelming. And I'm a, I, I really think it's important for a speaker to summarize what's the big point here? What, what's the one thing that you want people to walk away with from this. And I realized early on the one thing I want people to know about journal writing, and I wrote a blog post about this, I've given a speech about this, I should do an episode about it. Here it is. This is the episode about getting real with yourself. And I talk about, you know, I've made this comment that if you want all the benefits of journal writing, and there are so many different, just about any area of your life can be transformed by looking at your thoughts, examining who you are, who you want to be, where you're going, and all of that through the different writing exercises. You could write and write and write, but if you're never totally real with yourself, you won't get very far. And so it's so important to be able to look squarely in the mirror with love, with compassion, with hope, even somewhat with a critical eye. That's, that's, that's part of being real is that we've got that, we've got a bit of criticism for ourselves, but to hold it in balance with all the other pieces of ourselves and really just putting out there, what is it? Not to please anybody, not to position or frame things in a certain way for an audience, but just looking in the mirror and getting really real with ourselves. And once we're real with ourselves, then we can have an authentic relationship with everyone else. And uh, my guest today is Dr. Susan Campbell. I'm really, I feel very fortunate to have her time on the, on the program here. She's the author of this book. The subtitle of the book is 10 Truth Skills that you need to live an authentic life. And she's got kind of a series, this this Getting Real series. Uh, she's written another book called Saying What's Real, uh, Seven Keys to Authentic Communication, and Truth in Dating, Finding Love by Getting Real. So she talks a lot about 
uh, relationships. You'll hear it in this interview. And she's written a brand new book, just came out recently. It's the five-minute relationship repair, where she talks about how to quickly heal any upsets, uh, deepen intimacy, and use differences to strengthen love. And I just love how she, it's really a lot of this is all centered around the original book, the, the, the kickoff or the Kickstarter book to this whole series. What I consider her flagship work is this book called Getting Real. I'll make sure to put links up to all of these so that you can see them, buy them, and enjoy them. Write for Life and Journal Talk will receive a small donation from Amazon.com if you use my affiliate links to to make your purchase, and I appreciate that. But more than anything, check these out because this is really, these principles here are really where journal writing come to life. This is what, this is, if, if journal writing were the vehicle to your transformation, then I would say that the fuel to that vehicle is getting real. And in this book, she does a great job talking about these 10 truth skills. It turns out that the one thing about journaling that you need to know has 10 parts to it. <laughs> I found that pretty funny. Uh, and I read this book and I just, I just really love the way she breaks these things down. And just to give you an example of some of these truth skills, experiencing what is was one of them that really hit home for me. Being transparent. What are some of the other ones? Noticing your intent. She talks about intent. She gives a lot of self-assessments, uh, quizzes in the book. Being able to welcome feedback. Supporting your feelings with uh, action. Being able to take back projections. Really, really great stuff in here. And being able to express more than one emotion at a time. Lots of good stuff. This book is a winner in my book. And I want to tell you that, you know, Dr. Campbell, I call her Dr. Susan in the interview. She's a wonderful lady. She's got a consulting practice. She's done a lot of work. I will put up the notes here. Some of her biography is uh, really very impressive. In addition to being an author, uh, she's done uh, workshops, and uh, she talks a lot about, even t- touches on the neuroscience and and long-term memory and things that we're still learning in science that connects them to, to all of these skills and, and this whole idea of uh, getting real with yourself. So the one thing you should know about journal writing is getting real. And here to talk about getting real is Dr. Susan Campbell. The beginning of this interview is uh, it's a little funny I, when I'm introducing her. We talked a little bit just briefly about how I don't, you know, we don't script any of these interviews at all. They're very natural conversations, but I record in advance so that we can relax and enjoy. I said to Dr. Susan, you know, there's no need to feel like we need to do it perfect the first time. We're, we're recording it so we can do whatever we want with the recording. And she said, Nathan, don't worry about that. Very playfully, she said, that's not my issue. I'm not trying, I'm not striving to be perfect. So I said, I made a little comment there at the beginning that she's the uh, she's perfect at not trying to be perfect. Anyhow, please enjoy and keep on writing and let me know what you think of the episode. I'll leave some comments on the website, pass it along, and please subscribe, uh, whether it's iTunes or Google Feedburner or however you get your podcast. Make sure that they keep on coming. 
and uh, share it with some other people. Thanks very much, everyone. Keep on writing. Enjoy this interview with Dr. Susan Campbell. With me now is best-selling author and relationship coach and many other things, a perfect non-perfectionist, Dr. Susan Campbell. Welcome, Dr. Susan, to Journal Talk. Thank you, Nathan. I love that intro, perfect non-perfectionist. No one ever called me that before. (laughs) Now, does our audience know what we're talking about? That's the question. Yes. Well, we've got. I've got lots of things I'd like to explore with you, and whatever you find interesting to share, you know, let's let's enjoy the conversation. I saw the list of titles of the books that you've written. The, the one that brought me to your doorstep, knocking, uh, was the Getting Real. I just found so much interesting, useful, practical, and very insightful nuggets in there and I I just knew I just knew that that's I mean those kinds of things those principles that you talk about the 10 true skills are what I have found without putting those words on it I think that's what I found over the years in all my years of journal writing that's those are the kinds of things that that I resonate with uh, with my journal writing so I knew I wanted to meet you and talk to you and can you tell us a little bit about Getting Real and, and some of your other works and wh- what you do in the world? Yeah. Well, I've always been interested in honesty. I grew up in the 50s, and I looked around, and there was just a, a lot of people doing what they thought they should do. And my parents were unique in that way. They, they were really individuals, and they taught us kids to think for ourselves and then in, back in the 50s, we were a little bit anomalies. Maybe a lot of your readers don't remember the 50s, but uh, the, the woman was supposed to have the starched apron and the meal on the table when the man came home and sacrifice herself for the man and, you know, just be there to support the man. That was just, that was just one of the, the cultural shoulds of of the 50s and the man no question about it the man had to be the breadwinner and so forth i mean the the rigid roles that didn't fit mm-hmm. the indiv- individuality of actual humans and you know so it was really the, the the dishonesty of the whole culture was something that i picked up on at an early age i guess through the encouragement of my parents uh, questioning authority questioning uh, the status quo, and then of course, of course, then the '60s came, and everybody was questioning it. You know, do your That's own right. thing, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I was in heaven. You know, I, I came of age a little earlier than the '60s, but um, you know, I was a college professor during the height of the '60s. So, you know, being in a college town, it's a great environment for being part of this cultural wave of authenticity. And so I kind of care. And then I was a leader in the encounter group movement that kind of started both at Esalen and at a place called National Training Laboratories on the East Coast. And, you know, there was this thing called tea groups and encounter groups where people bared their souls to one another and, you know, fell in love over a week of sitting around in a circle together, that sort of thing. So so these these are my roots. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I wrote a lot of books that had these similar themes, but Getting Real, I think, was a big turning point for me in my life because I kind of claimed, you know, each of us is really looking for, I claimed my my calling. 
And, and yes. I, you know, I always felt a sense of mission and that, that had to do with honest relationships. But um, Getting Real was only published when I was like 60 years old. So, you know, I just want listeners to know, you know, don't, don't despair if you haven't found your calling, you know, by 40 or something. You know? I mean, I was successful. I had other bestsellers, you know, before that. But, uh, but this was like, this is my signature book, Getting Real. And, and the question that occurred to me was, yeah, there's all this problem with honesty. But what's the problem, really? People aren't trained to be honest. Our culture trains us to be nice. Nothing wrong with being nice, but it often gets in the way of knowing what you're actually feeling. You know, I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be selfish. Those kind of things. So I'm not trying to make the world into a bunch of angry, selfish people. My, my, uh, my aim is to own all the parts, own the shadow parts. And this, you know, we're going to talk about journaling, I know, and uh, <laughs> sitting with yourself and journaling and reflecting on your mm-hmm. feelings is a tremendous help to knowing those parts of yourself. And, and you, know, I, I, you know, I always encourage journaling as part of my coaching practice mm-hmm. and, and it's getting real work in the in the workshops and in my private practice where I coach people to be able to tell the truth in a compassionate, loving, aware way. So what I'm what I'm saying about like the angry and the selfish parts is if you get to know where those parts are coming from and the true needs underneath those parts or all your parts Mm-hmm. You come into a compassionate relationship with yourself, and those, let's say, those parts that you don't want to run the show, like just you know, complete self-servingness, uh, you don't want that to completely run the show in your life because it wouldn't be balanced. Those parts come into relationship with the higher, more developed parts of yourself that are more aware, and all the parts kind of get along better. And that's kind of a template for all of us getting along better, all of us having compassion for each other, the whole world joining together and and sensing this oneness consciousness Mm. that seems to be emerging. So my focus is the individual and the dyad and the family and the group, you know, like the real nitty-gritty relationships of our lives Mm -hmm. where people can study these, let's say, unconscious parts, these shadow parts, these parts that we'd rather not look at, like, like I said, anger, selfishness, etc. Yes, and depression, been- hopelessness, procrastination. You know, you and I chit chatted a little, little bit earlier about perfectionism, and yes. so many people, you know, riddled with "I'm not good enough." All these parts need to be looked at and held in love, and discover the real needs underneath. What, what they seem to be wanting. So there's mm-hmm. like, what does a part want? What does it seem to want? I mean, what does, a, what does your angry part seem to want? Well, I want revenge. But what's the real need underneath the need for revenge is mm-hmm. the need to be recognized, the need to mm-hmm. be attended to. And that, and that, a lot of times, you can do for yourself better than anybody else can do it. And that's back again where journaling comes in. Because for me, yeah. journaling is a relationship with yourself. And that's the first and most important relationship you'll ever have. 
Beautiful, beautiful. And you've done work with couples. I know the relationship skills seminars and, and the book. Can you tell us what, what is the transformation that you offer people in in relationships? And and I know it's going to end up leading back to yourself, but uh, how, yeah. how do you... Well, um, so many people that I've never even met, I'll, I'll be given a lecture or something, people come up afterward and say, you know, your book, The Couple's Journey, back in 1980, we read that together, my mate and I, and, and it saved our marriage. I get just people that I'm, this, this is something, so what, what do I do to save marriages? Because <laughs> I'm not out to save marriages. Some marriages should end, so that's not my goal in life. But my goal is to help people really look deeply at what's going on between yourself and your partner before you decide to quit. Because most people do quit too soon, I think. Now, I know some people hang on what they feel is too long, but they've really quit anyway. So mm. it's like, you know, they, you can still stay legally married and all that, and, you know, even having sex and the whole bit. And it's a, it's, it's a marriage of convenience or of fear, fear of being alone. So what I counsel people to do is value the fact that your partner's going to push your buttons. Your partner's going to do, do and say things that disappoint you, upset you, hurt you, and that if that happens, that means there's pain already inside of you that you're carrying from your whole life that needs mm. to be triggered, needs to be uh, illuminated. You know, sometimes you need a whack on the side of the head to, to go, hey, there's some unconscious stuff, some feelings, some unfinished business that you've been carrying in your subconscious mind and now it gets to come out because your partner your partner just walked out while you were talking and you feel I'm um, I'm very unimportant, I'm not loved, I'm not lovable. Mm, you know, mm. you get all those fears triggered. Of course that's not the way that's not the way it usually starts when you're triggered. It's like that person's insensitive, that that person's afraid of intimacy. Of it usually starts out as anger, judgment. So I teach people to watch out for their automatic mind chatter and to not believe that initial story, to feel the feelings when they get triggered. So this is like a very important relationship skill. If couples do not have this skill, they're not going to make it because they're going to get stuck in blaming the other person for their reactions. Mm. So this is all, this stuff's all illuminated in in my books, Getting Real, Truth in Dating, where I talk about how you can use dating as a consciousness practice to make you more self-aware, even if the yeah. dating relationship ends at some point. And then yeah. uh, my most recent book, other than the new one that's coming out, my other book on this subject is Saying What's Real. And all of those look at what to do when you're triggered by your partner and how to navigate that territory. Yeah. But the latest book that's coming out in February, February 17th, it'll be at your booksellers, including Amazon, etc. Of course. It's called The 5-Minute Relationship Repair, and it's very specific scripts, like like fill-in-the-blank uh, scripts, to help you navigate making up after a fight, also known as a triggering incident. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going to get your button pushed. You're going to start with judgments and hurt feelings or angry feelings or shut down, you know, i got to get out of here feelings. But if you stay with those feelings 
and do the instructions in the five-minute relationship repair book and come back and talk to your partner about what you've discovered. So there is a little period of going inside where journaling would be appropriate, where Mm -hmm. jotting down a few notes would be appropriate, as well as filling in the worksheets that are in the book. By the way, we have downloadable handouts free on our on our website. My co-author is John Gray, not the Mars Venus John Gray, but a a very gifted couples therapist that that's a colleague of mine, John mm-hmm. Gray G R E Y, and he okay. and I have a website, 5 minute relationship repair where people can get all these free downloadable worksheets so that they can talk to their partner in a loving open, vulnerable way instead of attacking and defending the way, you know, yeah. the way it happens. And we're always so sad after we do that. And it's okay. You know, we should be sad. We should, you know, we're going to do that. Not, not that we should do that, but we're just automatically going to do protective stuff. Let's forgive ourselves, learn how to repair after each rift, mm-hmm. and then Go deeper. Go deeper into truly loving our own imperfections, our partner's imperfections, our humanity, and and and, and loving what is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, you know, the five minute relationship repair is like the the ultimate in all the other books that I've written because it's so practical. It's like a, yeah, it a couple's like workshop all- in a book. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you've taken what I consider pretty pr- pretty practical material already, and then given even even more pragmatic steps. And Dr. Susan, you said so many things that I would love to open up and explore, and we'll see what we have time for. But one of them was, I love the way you mention, you know, when your partner triggers something and the, the first reaction being, you know, blame, there's something wrong with them, you're insensitive, you don't understand me. And I, I love the way that you help people to understand that, that trigger, whatever that was, those feelings there need to be explored. And, of course, it may not feel good that the other person, you know, did these things or said these things or didn't do these things or didn't say these things. And then learning how to turn inward and shortening that gap of time between when that incident happens and then recognizing where those feelings are coming from and what to do with them. Yes, exactly. The shorter the gap, the the, uh, less damage you're going to do to yourself and to your relationship. That's right. That that is what the book, that is exactly what the book is about. Do it, do it quickly. Don't stew, don't stew for days in in those feelings that aren't even your true feelings. The book will guide you to your deeper feelings of of grief about the way you were treated as a child. Maybe your partner was insensitive by some, you know, in a court of law, we'd say, yeah, that was kind of insensitive that your partner said that. Yeah, but the real point is not that. The real point is what's the healing that this opens up for you about how you were the middle child and no one ever paid attention to you. They always walked out when you were telling a joke or talking or before you got Mm -hmm. to the punchline, you know? I mean, the grief around that and the pain around that, it it needs to be processed. I don't mean belabored or, you know, used as as, as your drama story in life. I don't mean using it that way. I mean with genuine presence to the little one inside of you because that's one of your parts too we have lots of parts we are not just our inner child but the inner child who didn't get some of their needs met and that's in all of us 
that inner child needs needs to be brought into the family of you. Yes, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Dr. Susan, where did you learn to do you you mentioned your family, but what where did you come to obtain this this gift? Yeah, I was kind of born with it actually. I don't know. <laughs> People always came to me with their problems. My parents used to come. This is probably considered inappropriate, you know, by some of our listeners, but you know, my parents would they they wouldn't like rely on me, but they would talk things over with me as a as, as a human being like from about 5 years on. I was I was probably extremely you know, kind of advanced as a child, like, you know, I was reciting poetry and stuff on the radio at age two, you know, there were these little, you know, little talent show, radio uh, shows, and then there was TV in my town. I, I, I grew up in a town that, that where they had TV very, very young, so I was on TV starting at age 10, doing commercials wow. on TV, you know, so I was very, like, verbal, <laughs> maybe, yes, you know. Yes. And just somehow people seemed to be drawn to me. And in high school, people would tell me their secrets because they'd know that I didn't gossip and that I had, a, you know, kind of a lot of space for imperfection, that word again, the one that you and mm-hmm. I talked about at the beginning. Yes. You know, I had a lot of space for, you know, people not being perfect. And so it just it i knew when i was in high school that i i thought i wanted to be like a guidance counselor cuz that's the only model i had i thought you know well schools we have guidance counselors but then one thing led to another and i wound up getting a phd and going farther than my childhood ambitions wow wow that's wonderful and do you ever i'll assume that you do but tell me what you do when when you're talking to somebody who might be on the other extreme of things, who might be in a relationship where it is abusive, either physically or emotionally, and they really should leave. I mean, some of the things that you've said, um, if there's somebody listening that's in an abusive relationship and they heard the advice, you know, be with your pain and talk to your partner about it, and, and it's just not, how do you know when those things just aren't going to work anymore? Well, if a person's staying in an abusive relationship, they may need to really listen to parts of themselves that they've never listened to before, such as anger, you know, for example, because, you know, let's say they were physically abused as a child and now they're in a physically abusive adult relationship, just, you know, for to make a radical example, or maybe they're just in a verbally abusive adult relationship, but they were, they were you know, seriously little bodies or minds were intruded upon in an inappropriate way by the people who were supposed to love them. That's, you know, that's a form of of abuse. This person might need to own the feelings that they didn't dare to have as a small child toward this big adult. Now they're big. Now they're just as big as their partner or their self-reliant, they can make their own living perhaps, uh, or they could figure out a way to survive without this, you know, marriage, let's say. So they often need to listen to a different part of themselves that they've never, that they've never gotten to know before in order to take action on behalf of themselves, on behalf, mm. like, to mark a boundary, to say, I'm, you know, I'm not tolerating this, I'm not, my fear of being alone or my fear of, you know, being without sex or being without 
you know, your your attention or whatever keeps a person in you know, in a relationship and it's it's often very unconscious. It may it may look like sure. the things I just mentioned, but it's it's really some draw to to re experience the old wounds, you know, even in this kind of a relationship. They still need mm. to carefully and usually with third party help re experience some of those old wounds in a safe context, they certainly do not need to re-experience them at the hands of an abusive partner. Right, but right. This is if you find yourself in an abusive relationship and you can possibly find some third-party help, not for the marriage necessarily. I guess I should just say a counselor, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. some kind of counselor. You 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 get yourself to some help to get some support to bring yourself in touch with your inner strengths. You know, and your inner yeah. independence, and you're no longer dependent on, you know, like when you're little and you're being abused, it's a double bind. You're dependent on this, this adult, you yeah. need them for certain things, but it's not good for you. And right. you really right. find yourself in that similar situation as an adult, you're not in the same situation. You are not a child anymore. You, you have got... You know, you are a grown-up. You can get out of there. And people yeah, sometimes yeah. need to, you know, need to face different fears about being alone or being, un, you know, unprotected in a weird sort of a way. Because sometimes mm-hmm, just having mm-hmm. a partner, it protects, it, it, it seems to psychologically give protection to people. Yeah, so yeah. You know, I would not, I, I, no, like I said, some, I even in the beginning said I'm not in the business to save marriages. Right, right. You know, because... <laughs> Some should end. Yeah, yeah. But I'm Very in the good. business Thank to help people know their true self so they can make a proper decision. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for that clarification. That was great. But that was a good um, question, Nathan, because I, 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 I think that's important. Yeah, and, you know, there's, there's all kinds of people in different uh, situations, and I want to make sure that people are hearing it both sides and, and that it's, it's, uh, and, and you, the balance, I, I think that, you know, just from reading, getting real, it's, it's really a lot about, and, and we can use this to segue into uh, journal writing a bit, but being aware of those things and, and the skill that you offer folks to be able to recognize where are the, the real feelings and not to take what's happening as your first cue as of, of reality or, or the, not making the first cue the only cue of reality, like not accepting the story that first comes to mind as the only reality. I guess that's the that might be a better way of saying it. Um, yeah, and you but, know, like people like the Byron Katie work and so forth, they have you question your story, and a lot of people talk about questioning your beliefs and so forth. But mm-hmm. this work gets at the emotional roots. See, I think that that mental stuff only goes just so far. You know, I love Byron Katie's work because it points mm-hmm. us in a direction that's that's really important, which is, you know, your stories are definitely not you. Uh, right, however, right. your stories have some clues to the parts of yourself that haven't been attended to, like your your grief, your anger, your pain, your buried pain about some incidents that if you can feel those with awareness, not self-pity in the in the usual sense, but sorrow, you know, self-sorrow. You know, I make a distinction mm-hmm. between feeling sorry for yourself and feeling sorrow for what happened and, and grief because sometimes we have to 
admit that things weren't perfect in our childhood. We somehow sometimes need to need to either see them as all good or all bad, and of course they were all mixed in most cases. But people need to just pause and feel deeper than just the intellectual idea of, hey, I am not my story. Yeah, but, right. but there's a story here, and when I say those words like, nobody ever listens to me, you know, maybe that's my story, okay? When I say those words, what do I feel? What, what are my emotions, and, and, and what goes on in my body, and do I have flashbacks of all the times that people didn't listen to me? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can I feel something about that? That completes the past so that you can live in the present. Yeah, beautiful. But you need beautiful. some guidance often to do that. But the the books will help, you know, the, the yeah. real series of books and then the new book, Five-Minute Relationship Repair. Beautiful. And later I'll ask you how people can get those and, and contact you and, and all of that. When did you first realize that journal writing was uh, was helpful? I think I was seventh grade. Seventh grade, my, yeah, I I started, just, I don't know where I got the idea, actually, but I had a little book. Well, you know, they had diaries in those days. Right, right. Diaries, that's what it was. Um, Little girls were given, sometimes as gifts, diaries. And, um, you know, a lot of times those little diaries were a little too small for me, so I'd use more of journal, things that pe- a lot of people used for journals were were these um, eight and a half by eleven little cardboard books. You know, mm-hmm, they used mm-hmm. for different classes in college. Composition, so, yeah, composition, composition books. So I, you know, so I grabbed myself, you know, one of those and started writing my feelings. And I would even draw things. So I was, I'm twelve and I'm um, starting to be attracted to boys and I'm dealing with hormones and I'm dealing with appetites like like hunger for 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 new things like love and attention in a new way you know girls mm-hmm. trying to be pretty and popular and all this stuff and you know different hungers than than the usual hungers you know just food and even the hunger for touch you know is starting you're getting you deal with all this all this new feelings and so i i, I kind of i think i probably didn't feel like like most of my friends came to me but they and talked you know but I mm-hmm. I had a couple of friends that I really talked to but there were some things I didn't want to say to anybody because I was still getting to know myself I I was shy and embarrassed so I'd write them in a journal and I'd write I'd write myself criticisms I was telling some friends last night about some stuff I used to write in my journal because I I would overeat you know just out of anxiety about once a week I would do do some kind of binge eating. And then the next day or that night, I would write in my journal, I will never overeat on junk food again. And I'd write it real big with exclamation points. And, you know, I'd try to Mm -hmm. make myself a better person, you know, by making vows in my journal. But then I'd also be, you know, I am so mad at myself. I shouldn't have eaten those Twinkies. I mean, seriously, that's what I was journaling about (laughs) as a 12-year-old girl's um, Uh uh inner world. Is <laughs> looking good and you know and being healthy. I was always into you know being healthy. <laughs> so that's what I journaled about: self criticism and secret thoughts. So the need, I think, the need was there, 
and they had this thing called diaries in the culture, and uh, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. put those two together, and um, and I was off because journaling was like huge for me all through my teens, all through my twenties, all through my let me see my thirties, and then I wasn't too religious about it after about age thirty-five. But out mm-hmm. in my barn to this day, Nathan, I I probably have a stack of those composition books full of my old I was ask. scribbles. Yeah, I was gonna, it's yeah. out there, you know. And I thought I should I should go out there before I talk to Nathan about journaling. I should go out there and look at some of it. But I, you know, I'm too busy. Now I journal yeah. on my computer as the need arises. But yes, the, the yes. stacks of journals, I, I bet there's uh, you know three feet of journals. Yep, yep. In, bo- in boxes. You, mm-hmm. And what's your plans for those? Are are they just going to sit there and rot, or are you going to scan them someday? You going to pass them on to somebody? What What do you want to do? Good question. At times, well, I used to think this stuff is so brilliant in my thirties, because you know by then I was pretty darn smart. I'd say this stuff is so brilliant. In fact, some one time when I was like maybe in my mid forties, I looked back at some of the stuff I'd written in my twenties, and I I really thought this stuff is so brilliant. How did this young girl know all that? But you know that's. <laughs> That's just me looking at me now. <laughs> this may not be objective reality, but so I used to think, well, geez, I'll just, you know, I'll just publish my journals, you know, send them to a publisher. I don't think anything's going to happen to them. I think they'll just sit there, and if anybody after I die, you know, I guess I, you're supposed to clean up your stuff before you die. So I look, I got to deal with all this junk that I've accumulated. Don't ask, don't ask me that question. <laughs> I didn't mean to put anything on your to-do list, I thought. Um, <laughs> I struggled with that for a while, wondering what I'm going to do, and I, I so relate to that feeling of going back and saying, hey, this is some pretty cool stuff. I want to, I hope to do something with it someday, and I I eventually did scan scan it all, so oh, really? my relation, yeah, my relationship to that three-foot stack of stuff is much different now. I could lose it and I wouldn't, you know, feel an, as I feel some grief, but I, I'm not attached and and they could burn and I would still have all the words. And and you're right, there's there's definitely a few pockets of gems, but as I get older sometimes I wonder how do you go finding those little pockets of gems and good things? It's, it's not all brilliant. A lot of it's just uh, oh, uh yeah. you know, why did I eat those Twinkies? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I feel compassion for that young girl who that was her world, you know, how she yeah. looked and what she ate, you know. But, yeah. you know, there were there were other things, of course. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually had a, a, a great inner life. And this is another very important value of journaling for me and for my clients, because I do recommend journaling a lot for my clients. I'll give you examples mm-hmm. later on. But just feeling that there's somebody to talk to and that's yourself, you know, like I'll talk between yes. parts of myself sometimes, you know, and, and get a, get an inner dialogue going and give myself advice. You know, I call it with my clients, I call it your inner coach, you know, mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. develop a relationship with your inner wise person, coach, that type of thing, the good parent mm-hmm. archetype. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I think learning to know yourself is, a, is obviously a high value in this life, and journaling is a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, we'll take a very short break, and Dr. Susan, when we come back, I'd love to hear a taste of either a, some kind of journaling activity that you recommend to clients and why and, and how it works, and then uh, we can talk a little more about the five-minute thing and, and uh, how people can reach you and, and all of that. Sound good? Okay, sure. 
All right. Be right back. You're listening to Journal Talk. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you'll love receiving our weekly show summaries. These are short articles complete with links to additional resources and book recommendations for each episode of Journal Talk. Head over to our website at writeforlife.us and subscribe to Journal Talk. You'll receive a free index of past episodes plus a weekly summary and reminder when a new episode is published. Thanks again for listening. And now, back to more Journal Talk. Okay, we're back with Dr. Susan Campbell, author of Getting Real and many other books on your authentic voice and understanding who you are and and being with yourself and, and being with yourself in relationships. Dr. Susan, thanks again for being on Journal Talk. Well, it's good to be here. We've been having a good time. (laughs) Yes. Share with us, you mentioned a couple of times that you uh, recommend journal writing for clients and and the exercises you you sometimes will offer them to to further the the work that you're doing with them. Can you give us a a taste of uh, one of those exercises? Yeah. There's an exercise in my book, Getting Real, and it's it's basically in the truth skill revising. You know, the book has 10 different truth skills, and one of them is how to go back and redo a conversation if you feel that you have not been completely authentic with this person and you feel it is appropriate to do so. Uh, mm-hmm. So now I'm, it, in the book it's called revising or going out and coming in again. Some people out in this culture call it a redo or a do-over. But I have specific steps for that that I offer people. So this is an exercise I'll do right in a coaching session, and then I'll, I'll teach it to people. And I'll then say, would you like to do this for homework, like like every day for the rest of your life kind of thing. So here's, here's the exercise, and uh, you can do it uh, with, with me. Uh, our listeners can, can do it. You can follow along. Great. So you've probably had the experience of being in a situation with somebody else where you either weren't very present or you were on automatic or you promised something, uh, like to do a favor, and then later you realize, no, I don't really want to do that. I was just being nice. Maybe you were just like caught off guard when somebody said something to you, and you just shot something back that you know really wasn't your deepest truth. So, and knee-jerk reaction or knee-jerk reactions, and so it's all it's just related yeah. to the repair work in the in the latest book. Actually, it's sort of the precursor of of relationship repair. So you did something that wasn't that, that kind of wasn't your best self, and you want to go back and possibly revise that. But here's here's the exercise. So you think of a you know you like I, I ask people to do this on a daily basis, and and I do this myself as a a daily check in with myself. What did I do or say today, or maybe not say, where I wasn't as present or as authentic as I could have been? So you think of a situation where you didn't speak up, you went temporarily unconscious, or you just were feeling something that you didn't feel comfortable admitting. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you identify the specific situation first, and then you ask yourself, what reason did I give myself, either then or now, for not speaking more authentically? Like sometimes it's mm-hmm. like you know I can't tell you know I can't tell my boyfriend his breath smells because you know we've only been dating you know a short time and 
maybe I can tell him, you know, in a year. <laughs> if I still like him by then, you know, after tolerating it and not being present for the whole year, you know. So anyway, um, you know, you, you give yourself a reason like, oh, it would hurt his feelings or, oh, I've tried to speak to this person before and they're usually defensive. Or maybe your reason is just, geez, I wasn't that self-aware, you know. Mm-hmm. So whatever your reason was, you look at that. The reason is your mind story, but it's still good to know what your what story your mind has there. It's not and real. A lot of I times, it, yeah. A lot of times I that mean, reason feels so real. It feels like that yeah, is really real. the real reason. I mean, this. Sure. I, I, so I'm mentally doing this exercise right now already, and. Yeah, that's Have you got I, one? I can, I yeah. can do it together. What's, so what is your situation? And I'll, we'll demonstrate this for our listeners. Yeah, so there's a, a person that wants to spend more time with me, and I'm happy to talk, chat, and, and stay in touch, but I don't really want to spend that much time with this person, and it's not because I don't like them. I just, we don't have much in common, and it's difficult for me to stay interested in, you know, their dramas and life stories and things that are, that they find interesting. And I, I don't, I don't want to hurt their feelings because they're a good person. They're a very nice person and I don't want to uh, offend them. This is good. Okay. So if, so this is the next step. So you've, you've given the reason, what reason do you tell yourself? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the next question is, if you felt completely safe and you weren't uh, worried about their reaction, you, you felt like, you know, this relationship could handle their reaction. Tell me now, tell, tell the world, what <laughs> would your true truth be? And this is not, I'm not advising people to go out and do this. Don't, you know, don't get ahead of the game. Just what would your actual truth be if you were just writing it in your journal, just between you and you? And of course, now right. between you and me, you and me and everybody out there. I know. I'm just realizing I've just opened myself. Up. You've just opened yourself up to this thing. What if this here? What if this person's listening right now? Um, so what? What is? Well, we can make something up, you know. But yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah. I think most of our listeners can put themselves in the situation that you're talking about. I've certainly been there. You know, like what would be the truth if you felt? That you could say the truth. Let's take a minute, Nathan. I'm going to challenge you, and uh, I'll rescue you if 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 you uh, get stuck here. Thank you. And tell, and tell you my own. I would say if this was between me and you, and just between me and my journal, I I would say the the truth of the of the matter is that what I would want to say to this person is I'm not that interested in staying closely connected to you. I, I, I admire you, and I think you're a nice person. I have respect for you. I'm just not interested in the things that uh, are that that we talk about. <laughs> um, Good. Okay. And now, just I'm going to coach you a little bit. And how do you feel? You know, and imagine you're speaking to the person. How do mm-hmm. you feel now? Tell this person how it feels to say that to him or her. Oh, I'm like, worried. Now that I've said that, I feel... Uh, now that I say that, it, I feel good being able to say it, but I, I do, I worry that that you're not going to like me. It's, it's so silly. I'm worried you're not going to like me. I'm worried that you uh, will be offended and that, uh, that, I would, that uh, you would have less respect for me. Beautiful. 
see when I when I ask people to say what they feel disclosing a possibly painful truth and they tell that it shifts it shifts how it comes across to the other person I, I, I imagine our listeners can feel how that shifted everything okay mm. still I'm not you know in the exercise we're just going down the steps of the exercise so the first one is think of a situation the second one is what reason did you give yourself for not being more authentic the third we're on the third step which is if you just could let it all be known, what would you say? And then mm-hmm. with that little additional thing, Susan's coaching about how to how to really bring your true self more into the the moment with that. You know, how do I feel speaking this to you? Now the question is, how do you feel having said that? That whole thing, how does it feel to you? There is relief. I feel relief. I still worry that I that I can't say that. I I don't feel that I have the courage to say. And it, but. the next thing is, would it be appropriate to actually go and say that to the person? And mm-hmm. your answer doesn't have to be yes. Mm-hmm. I would say about half the time with people when they do the exercise, the answer is yeah. I feel wow. It it, it just you know it just came out and. And I, I, I didn't. I don't feel so afraid of saying it now. Uh, I feel that relief, and I feel more clarity, and and I know I've got to do it. And other people go, yes. No, I'm not really ready. I'm not willing to pay those consequences that the person might think that I'm, you know, not not nice or this or that. And I'm not ready. And and either way, the exercise is still going to work for you. This authenticity mm-hmm. inventory, and that's mm-hmm. the, and that's the end of the exercise so but just saying the words you know in in that second to the last step is very healing in terms of you knowing and accepting yourself and in terms of you getting uh, closer when you're actually in a situation to knowing what you really feel and sometimes it'll it'll lead you to the place where you do another one of the truth skills in the book getting real and you you naturally did this was which was sharing multiple feelings at once like I feel mm-hmm. relief that I've actually spoken the truth to you, and on the other hand, I feel some fear that this is going to both hurt you and hurt our relationship, hurt how you see me. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you feel both things at once, and that right. Right. is often a fuller communication to this other person or to any other person when you show both sides of, of something where you uh, really aren't sure you should be saying this or that you're <laughs> that you're capable of handling the, their response. Yeah, so that's another yeah. one of the true skills is that you know yeah. sharing your mixed feelings. So you're like a natural the- Nathan, you are you are great. You are oh. you 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 are a getting a getting a real poster child here. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, like I said, the 30 years of journal writing, I I I want to do this exercise when I truly am alone because there is a piece of my, you know, consciousness right now aware that I'm sharing this in front of other people, but I will do it on my own and, and go a step deeper probably with it. But I loved the thing you said about sometimes it takes multiple truth skills to sort of really get the key all the way into the lock, let's say. I found that to be true for me as well. And just having this exercise done verbally with you right now, uh, I do feel a little more strength in how I feel about it. Like I do feel a little more confident about the reasons that this is a conflict for me. And that 
that makes it stronger for me when and if I do say something like this to the person. I, I, I can feel assured for myself that I've done it thoughtfully and that it's coming from you know, my authenticity and not just uh, having a knee-jerk reaction. Great. And so this is a homework exercise that I give people to do in their journals, to do with themselves, and my coaching clients tell me it's one of the most useful things that they do. That's great. You asked me about what you know. What free gift can I give to your your yeah yeah listening well, audience? And I you know I have this handout on a one page thing, and I can send it to people if if they go to my website and sign up for my newsletter. How can people reach you, Doctor Susan? What what? How yeah, can- there's a place on the homepage of www.susancampbell.com, and Campbell is spelled like the two words Camp and Bell. So, mm-hmm. SusanCampbell.com, on the homepage, there's a place that says something about, right in the middle, toward the top, that says, you know, get a free ebook about building your self-confidence, and you, you'll get the free ebook about building your self-confidence, you'll get the authenticity inventory that we just went through, the, the five steps, and you will get my occasional newsletter, which is called Getting Real with Susan Campbell, that usually has one one sort of a blog thing like, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, 10 tips for having a great honeymoon or, you know, anything like that, yep, you know, yep. uh, <laughs> have little, little excerpts from, from my books that I've made into blogs. So mm-hmm. you'll get that plus an announcement of, of my upcoming events. Yeah. Okay. What, what Very else? good. We're wrapping up here, and I just wanted to thank you for being on the show, uh, Dr. Susan. It's so, so nice to have you share. Thank you for your time and, and your and your special offer. And is there anything else that you would want the uh, Journal Talk listeners to know? Yeah. If you go to my website, there's like a free 15-minute coaching interview that I offer to people who are considering having coaching with me. You know, you can talk to me, and we can talk over your situation. And uh, my email address and phone number are on the website. So I'm I'm very accessible to the world here. I'm not trying to hide I'm in I'm in sort of semi retirement. I'm in the stage of life where I'm giving back to the world. I've I've put all my out of print books and made them ebooks now and uh you know, I'm at the legacy leaving your legacy stage. So yeah, maybe I will yeah. go see if there's anything in those journals, those old <laughs> those go forty five years for- ago journals. <laughs> You know, I'm 73, so I'm I'm at you know I'm at a different stage of life from a lot of yeah, people where yeah. I feel like I've really I've really done some wonderful things and I can relax and give back to the world. So you know I'm Very available nice. to people. Thank you so much. Your gifts are truly uh, remarkable and. The giving back is very much appreciated. And uh, thanks again for being here. It's been a lovely conversation with you, Nathan. So thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Write for Life, a web resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. Find us online at www.writeforlife.us, spelled W-R-I-T-E, the number four, L-I-F-E dot U-S. Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk. Da, da, da.